Hello, I'm Viv Groskop, agony aunt, comic, writer and expert in the art of juggling a loaded plate, a glass of Prosecco and a tricky conversation about Brexit. And this is We Are Women. We Are Women is the Mint Velvet podcast. You can follow at Mint Velvet on Twitter and Instagram or find us via the Mint Velvet Facebook page. We Are Women is all about the experience of being a woman. And at this time of year, that does often involve wobbling across the turf in your heels and trying to look intelligent while drunk, one of my specialties, because it is the summer. And so someone is invariably throwing a garden party or a barbecue or, you know, having the temerity to get married. So this episode, we're going to dive into the delights of the social summer ahead, a land of rosé and tiny sausages and endless beautiful evenings spiced up by the occasional bridezilla and some awkward family politics. We'll be hearing from Ellie Taylor. Well, it's, you know, imposter syndrome, isn't it? Oh, I'm not, I shouldn't be here. They all think I shouldn't be here. Why am I here? Um, it's a lot of that. From Lucy Mangan. And what I hadn't figured, of course, is if you don't like parties and being the centre of attention on a normal day, you're not actually going to change your personality (laughs) on your wedding day. And from Joe Bryant. I remember my parents had quite a well-to-do friend when we were growing up and at the end of an evening apparently he would turn all the lights out and open the door and literally just say, right, you're going now. Now, that's not the approach I would ever recommend. So just pop your jacket on the bed and grab this warm plastic glass of Pinot Grigio and let me introduce you to our two studio guests. Lucy Mangan is an author, journalist and columnist for Stylist and The Guardian, whose journalistic work, not to mention her several books, supports the weighty Wikipedia proclamation that her writing is both feminist and humorous. Incredible to be both at the same time. You must reveal your secret, Lucy. Lucy's most recent book is Bookworm, a memoir of childhood reading, and it is as enchanting and absorbing as the experience it describes. Ellie Taylor is a comedian, actor, and according to her website, a Steve Tyler lookalike. I'm not sure you've quite nailed the rock and roll (laughs) complexion, Ellie. You look a bit too glowing. She's the star of the BBC Two satirical hit The Mash Report, which is back on our screens later this year, veteran of countless panel shows and the comedy rite of passage, which is Live at the Apollo. And she won many fans when her robust response to the Facebook motherhood challenge went insanely viral, of which more later. Welcome, Lucy. Welcome, Ellie. Oh, thanks, Viv. Thanks very Yay. much. Now, Lucy, I'll come straight to you. I loved your book so much. And it's about Thank the you. joy of imaginary worlds, which are my favourite kind of worlds. <laughs> um, but at the end, uh, you reveal that you thankfully do have some real flesh and blood friends too. Yes, not just imaginary I do now friends. at this late stage, yes. um, So thinking of those, what is your summer social event of choice? Well, it's the same as my winter event of choice, which is still to stay in and read. <laughs> Um, and I would actually, I would like a world in which winter was the time for going out because I like tights, I like jumpers, I like trousers. Uh, summer is very, very stressful to me. I don't do well in the heat. I am not now, nor have I ever been long or lithe of limb and prepared to, to get any flesh out at all. So summer clothes are difficult. Yeah. I've got to shave everything. Well, Ellie, you spend an awful lot of time on stage mm. and in front of a camera. Lucy wants to be in a darkened room. You want to be in the spotlight. She's sitting here naked. I think we can... <laughs> you know. The thought of having to make small talk is terrifying. But when I'm there, it's much better. But I, am, I do think I'm quite socially awkward. I get quite a lot of anxiety, especially around other comedians. Like a comedian party is probably 
my idea of hell. That is so weird because I've probably been at a comedian party with oh, you I and I've I thought, oh, Ellie's it. coping really brilliantly with no. this and I'm hating it. It's so strange, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? The way we all pretend to... Is it just a joke off at a comedian's It is place? a bit just, and I yeah. always, I think I've always just got a bit of um, a just massive inferiority complex. I always feel like I, well, it's, you know, imposter syndrome, isn't it? Oh, I'm not, I shouldn't be here. They all think I shouldn't be here. Why am I here? Um, it's a lot of that. So, yeah, I just, I just hate it. Have you found in the response to your book, Lucy, that there are lots of secret bookworms out there? And I don't just mean people who love reading books. I mean people who love being alone and lost in their own world. Well, yes. And we've all sort of found each other. And then, you know, we sort of nod and say, I loved your book. And they go, thank you very much. And that's it. And, you know, we part ways forever. But think of each other fondly for many years. Ellie, do you, do you think you're a bit of a secret introvert as well? Yeah, I think so. Because you, you don't come across that way at all. No, I think I'm quite a noisy introvert. Well, this is the thing. You see, people get intro, introverts and extroverts or the meaning of it mixed mm. up. And I, I interviewed a sort of expert on the subject. And she said, well, you know what the difference between them is? I was like, well, shyness and she said, no, 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 no. An introvert is drained by interaction with people. An extrovert gains energy from being with people. And that's it. Oh, it doesn't matter how yeah. noisy or anything. Yeah, I definitely get energy from being around other people. Do you? Yeah. I do after a few drinks, I suppose. Mm, that's the energy from the alcohol. Oh, I mean, yeah. no, I don't know. That's, that's your, that's your blood sure. converting alcohol into oh, sugar. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to come uh, to you later uh, for an answer to this question. So don't don't feel stressed that you need to answer this now. Are we going to come back to this at the end? Here's something for you both to ponder. When it comes to socialising, what is your worst nightmare? It can be real or not. It can be something that happens to you. It can be something that you fear. Um, I want to talk to you, though, about the social event of the summer that has already occurred, and that is the royal wedding. wedding. I'm imagining that... Well, look, come on, you're both saying you kind of hate social events. You must have wanted to be there. I really wanted to be there. To be there? Yes. Oh, I don't think I wanted to, to be Oprah. there. Sit no, next no, to Oprah. Sit next to Oprah. Oprah What's sat the in that church for two hours? I know, I could have looked after her. <laughs> I felt so sorry for her. I have never felt further away from a person than I do from you now, Viv. Really? Imagine wanting to be there and take care of someone. Yeah, oh. I, no, I'd like to, yeah, I'd rather watch it on the telly, I Yeah, think. it was the perfect wedding. You sat there and watched it yeah. on the telly. And you didn't have to make small talk then. No. <laughs> And what's the point of meeting Oprah when you're not going to become best friends with her? You're just going to sit next to Although, her. Although, after two hours in a church, crazy? maybe you could have been. I, uh, the second I will lock eyes with Oprah, we're going to be instant best friends. I, see, I, I know see. a girl I'm who met so Oprah much. when she was over for that uh, premiere recently. Like, I can't remember what the film was. And Oprah said to her that she had a really good energy. Can you imagine experiencing like, that? I'm dying There'd be envy. like a celestial choir and, yes, a, and light coming down, wouldn't it? God. So you did both, you made time to sit and watch. Yeah. I did. I had friends around and everything. Made scones. What a woman. Favourite outfit, Lucy? Oh, the woman in the polka dot. Oh, yes. She looks yes. beautiful, yes. One yes. of the actresses yeah, from so. Suits. Yes. 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 And Amal Clooney in her beautiful yellow. Oh, Amal Clooney. She's not, she's not even human at this point, oh, is she? She's, she's just... Fabulous. She's ascended into yeah. some kind of fashion nirvana. Yeah. Oh, you see, she, you, she, she wouldn't have even been noticed if I had been there. What did you think of Megan's, Megan's dress? The wedding dress? The actual wedding dress. Oh, gorgeous. It was lovely. Very simple. It was a bit... I saw um, Katy Perry saying what her she said someone said what do you think of the dress and she said I would have had one more fitting oh that is the (laughs) bitchiest thing ever (laughs) 
Wow. I yeah. just I thought they'd spent an awful lot of time on all the flowers of the Commonwealth. I think there were 53. Yeah. Oh, yes, the the veil was and that took all the time, so it didn't have any oh, right. much time left over <laughs> yeah. for the dress. No time but, for um, pinning. No, it was no. fabulous. Well, that is the bitchiest thing ever from Case Perry. Now, this summer, and every summer, of course, it is prime wedding season. So we thought it might be useful to hear from Joe Bryant, an independent etiquette consultant with a particular expertise in weddings and modern manners. We met, appropriately enough, in Green Park, one of London's royal parks and a stone's throw from Buckingham Palace. Not that etiquette experts throw stones, of course. We started by asking her if there are any guiding principles when it comes to correct etiquette. Today, etiquette is less about teacups and protocol, and I believe it's more about social confidence. And then when it comes to hosting and guesting, for example, that's all about, as a host, how you make your guests feel, how you interact with them. And as a guest, it's making sure you respect the event you're going to, dressing appropriately, being on time, thinking about your host and the effort they've gone to for you to have a good time. The thing about organising a wedding is there is a danger that it becomes all about you. So yes, you have to have your personalised day and that was what, for example, made Harry and Meghan's day so wonderful is there were lots of tangible things that were about the couple. That's the essence of the day. But the practicalities and the demands on the guests have to be sensible too. I mean, I heard this amazing thing the other day which was that a bride had was having a destination wedding and she'd sent a Pantone swatch card for each of the days so the day before the wedding people were in neutrals on the day they were supposed to wear a certain limited number of pastels and the day after it was bold strong colours apparently the aim behind it was that she wanted to get her wedding into a top blog or a wedding magazine that was possibly taking it a bit far and I suspect the chat on the day would be less about how lovely the bride was but checking out what everyone else is wearing off the Pantone card when it comes to what to wear to a wedding your invitation is your biggest clue you know your flowery marquee in the Cotswold is going to be very different, for example, to your sleek London hotel. So you need to sort of adjust your outfit for the location you're in. Also, when it comes to wedding dress, things have relaxed a little bit. Black used to be totally taboo. Now, it's OK, but I would recommend that you always accessorise with a little bit of colour. After all, you don't want to look like you're going to a funeral. Don't take a present to the wedding if someone's got a list because it's a total pain for logistics someone's got to take it home at the end of the day with gift list today there's such a variety of things on offer you have your combination lists of financial donations some presents from multiple different stores um, charity donations honeymoon donations you know and actually i think the most sensible couples often do a little bit of everything giving people their options of what they want asking for money is still very controversial for some people for other people they think it's a great idea Older generations tend to believe that they'd like to bring a present and not give money. Um, although actually, historically, in days gone by, you know, near family gave the bride and groom money to help set up their lives. So actually, it's a very old tradition that's come back, but is seen as a slightly funny one. And if someone asks for no presents, that's something I get asked a lot. Should I still take something? You can. I mean, what I've often done, if someone says no presents, is try and hook up with them when they get back from honeymoon and take a nice bottle of champagne or something for dinner. You know, you have to remember on the day it's a bit of a blur. So sometimes doing something afterwards can have an even better impact.
Thanks, Joe. We'll be hearing more from Joe a little later in the show, and there's even more on the website, including what to wear for any event you might have coming up where the host has thoughtlessly failed to provide Pantone colour swatches. <laughs> Just go to mintvelvet.co.uk and click on occasions. Wow, the colour swatches, Ellie. Limited number of pastels. Do you think we've gone a bit too far down the line of Instagram bragging I think rights? They've gone there? a bit too far up their own arseholes, haven't they? I mean, <laughs> that is ridiculous. They should be killed. Shouldn't they? Um, Lucy, did you enjoy your own wedding I did not know no. tell me about that <laughs> in great detail I didn't think this is going to be such a shock well because I I realized too late that I'd bought into too much of the underlying mythology I'd managed quite well to avoid you know we just had a few flowers I had the dress I wanted by and large but we had you know we did have a hundred guests and it was a church wedding and what I hadn't figured of course is if you don't like parties and being the centre of attention on a normal day, you're not actually going to change your personality <laughs> on your wedding day. And I hadn't, I, I honestly thought bridal day, you would, you would transform in that way as, as well as, you know, scrubbing up. And of course it didn't. And I was like, oh God, all these people, I've got to walk down this aisle. Are you joking? And so I was very freaked out the whole day. I, I feel like we're being like real sort of wedding eels, but I found I didn't, enjoy quite a bit of my day I think I just found it so overwhelming and the whole time because everyone says it's meant to be the best day of your life I was just like well is is this the best is this the best bit now is it better than five minutes ago oh god um I just the whole time was this this monologue just going off in my head and I think I got into it at about half 11 at night once I had a few drinks then it felt better but yeah I, I wish I could do it again and I wish I could feel less sort of seductive what I thought the rules were like I did like I put my hair up and I don't really ever wear my hair up and I hated it because I felt like that's what I ought to do lots of that sort of thing um but yeah the, the music cut out at about half 10 the speakers blew and I didn't we didn't know if the music was going to come wow. back on so I went to the lose and cried uh, but then I caught a glimpse of myself crying in my wedding dress and I was like oh my god this is so melodramatic and I really liked it um, but luckily <laughs> don't panic the music came back on oh plus also right this is a question for you when I was we were at, doing the ceremony doing the vow bit right and I sort of glanced into the audience let's call them and um, I saw um, a couple and they were holding their newborn baby that they hadn't told us was coming to the wedding. Now, I was sort of outraged that they'd bought a baby without any prior notice, whereas my husband still to this day thinks I'm an awful person for saying that that is a bit oh, controversial. I think it is a great blessing on your wedding. <laughs> um, but was it a strict no-children wedding? No, but they didn't say it was coming. To be fair, it was fine. It didn't make a people day. But it was just quite disconcerting to be like... Were you not a baby? Do you think that's fine? Yes, I do. I think it's fine, but mainly because when you've just had a baby... I, I will I will cut you any amount of slack for the first year if you murder someone if you forget oh. to tell someone you're coming because you're not in your right mind. Do you know, I've never thought about it that way, Lucy, and now I see the light. And they might and they might have you know before the baby's born you think oh well it's fine we're going to this wedding we won't take the baby we'll leave it with and then you get this baby and you're like I'm not leaving anywhere it'll it'll die it she'll stick it with knives uh, so you have to bring <laughs> you just bring it with you and you can't think 
about anything else, just oh, keeping the useless. If, it's, if it's really, if it was a really young one, if it was like a, you know eight months or something, then no, no it was fresh. It was I, I'm fresh. always slightly horrified of people who ban children. I know you didn't have a ban at least. No, that's fine. People I did. who ban. Oh, did you? It's Fo- not a children's wedding. We had a very small. You know where to them to run about. Please mm. don't bring them. Well, one of my fondest memories of my wedding was uh, during one of the speeches. A five-year-old child was being violently sick under a table, <laughs> extremely noisily, and it went on and on and on and the entire speech was punctuated by the sound and nobody could really help the child or move yeah. any of the vomit. No, if you could guarantee of... good copy like that from yeah, them, it was, I would it was a fond memory. Them. But I quite enjoyed my wedding because I had a massive meltdown in the morning of the wedding. So it was in the afternoon and then there was an evening party. And in the morning, I went to rehearse this. I was singing a song to my my beloved husband. I went to rehearse. And um, my sister came with me. And I could see all out over the room where the dinner was going to be taking place, which I think was a plowman's lunch, actually. (laughs) It was very, very cheap. And um, I started crying because I didn't like the salt and pepper pots that they put out. And I thought they were very tacky. And I got really upset. And I was going, but I just dread this going to be like really bad every day in the salt and pepper pots just like the ones you have at school and my sis just came up and slapped me and said pull yourself together you're being ridiculous and I the credits mean nothing yes and I suddenly thought oh this is what happens and this is before anyone had even coined the term bridezilla yeah and I realised even before it existed that I was being a bridezilla and I just snapped out of it instantly yeah I think any day that is built up to be potentially the best day of your life I mean, it's a lot to live up to, isn't it? Now, moving on from weddings, we're delighted to have a copy of Lucy's book, Bookworm, to give away. To be in with a chance of winning, email relaxedglamour at mintvelvet.co.uk with the title of your favourite childhood book or tweet us at mintvelvet. Entries close on the 29th of June 2018. And when you've sent your email and you're feeling all warm and glowing with those bookish childhood memories, why not pop into your podcast app and rate and review us? Because A, it genuinely helps other people to find us and B, it makes us feel all warm and glowy too. Thank you. Now, my favourite book as a child, I suppose when I was probably about 10 or 11, was Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. I love Little Women. I wanted to be Joe. Everyone wanted yes. to be Joe. Any right-minded um, woman. Yeah, Ellie, what was your one of your favourite childhood I used books? to love um, Paula Danziger books. So she did uh, one called This Place Has No Atmosphere. It's about a girl moving to the moon, set in the future. I used to read quite a lot as a kid. Not as probably as much as you, Lucy. But, well, um, you had a life, I understand that. Okay. <laughs> and then I got, my mum used to work in a library, actually. She was a library manager. And I remember her bringing home this book when she was the manager of Buckhurst Hill Library. She's like, this one's doing very well. I think you'll enjoy it. I was like, OK. And it was about a boy wizard. And uh, she was on the money, was Jill Taylor. Yes, I did enjoy it very much. <laughs> Unlike dozens and dozens of publishers who yeah. weren't interested yeah. in boy wizard. Um, Lucy, in the book, um, you have this really interesting suggestion um, about books as a way to End conflict. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I think it's fascinating. Well, I can't remember the name, uh, the guy's name. I think he was a, uh, an Italian literary expert, kind of philosopher type, who said children's books would be a way to end all wars. Ultimately, and it's a sort of thought experiment because it's predicated on the notion that books breed empathy. You know, they give you insight into other lives and other ways of being. And if you start children on a broad enough range early enough theoretically everyone becomes so empathetic that there could never be any misunderstanding. Everyone would always be able to see each other's point of view and there would be no no more wars. 
which as a thought experiment I thought was flawless. Hasn't quite worked out, I understand, in, in practice yet, but that's just because there's not enough reading yet, I'm sure. Um, there's a lovely point in the book as well where you talk about the contrast between being a bookworm, as you clearly always have been, and that kind of social girliness, which involves looking out from under lowered lashes instead of directly into boys' faces, no longer throwing up your hand in class and pretending you can't do sums. Uh, do you think that that has changed? Because I kind of recognise that portrait from my girl. I don't know. and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see when my child gets a bit older and I'm how old is your child? He's seven. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it must still happen. I hope, obviously I hope it doesn't, but I think, I hope it at least happens to a lesser extent. This kind of switch when you realise that to be feminine, you must make yourself smaller and quieter and less than the boys in some way if, if you want to be known as a girl. An image of Kim Kardashian in the appetite-suppressing lollipop just popped into my yeah, mind. You know, yeah. where are we up to with all that? What was your reaction to that? She knows what her fan base is and she knows... She did it knowing there's so many young girls watching her Instagram feed and seeing that. And then I, yeah, I did a silly post about... I did a, one on Instagram where I had, like, a million biscuits in my mouth and I was like, oh, my God, amazing new appetite suppressant <laughs> sold at the local spa. Um... And then someone said, you know, what, why are you having a go at Kim Kardashian? You know, no, Slim Fast and Weight Watchers sell the sort of same thing, appetite suppressant or meal replacements. But I'm like, well, that's that's different. If you go looking for Weight Watchers or Slim Fast, you're, you're looking for that. Whereas Kim Kardashian is entering these girls' lives, suggesting that mm. meal replacements are a, are a good a thing or an option. Um, as a ray of hope, because it was all a bit depressing, all this <laughs> pressure stuff, isn't it? I offer this story about a little girl called Eleanor Rose Hansen, who recently wrote to a clothing manufacturer, I went out this morning to collect eggs and fitted seven eggs in my shorts pockets. I got them in the boys' departments. They are very good shorts, but in the girls' departments, they are so small, I can't even fit one egg in my pocket. Why is this the case? Love, Eleanor Rose Hanson, age eight and a quarter. P.S. Girls need pockets too. Uh, I love this a whole sort of pocket thing going on. Catherine Ryan wore a dress with pockets to the BAFTAs, to much acclaim on social media. Uh, and then, you know, we saw Kristen Stewart taking off her shoes, her Louboutin on the red carpet at Cannes to protest their no flat shoes dress code. And then there was that amazing picture of um, Serena Williams in her ball gown going to Harry and Meghan's evening do wearing trainers underneath. Do you think we're sort of starting to bust through now, like big pockets, trainers with everything? I think it's a really actually oddly large thing for for women to be comfortable, to sort of claim their comfort and be as physically comfortable as men. Quite a paradigm shift in a way. It seems really frivolous because it's obviously it's clothes, it's fashion. But actually, no, it's, it's really big. We're going, no. I'm not going to be uncomfortable on this nice event anymore. I'm going to be as comfortable as you always were and not have my mind bifurcated by pain. Yeah, I think I found it quite interesting, that picture of Serena Williams, because on one hand I was thinking, well, of course she can wear trainers. But another part of me was thinking, oh my goodness, this is shocking. A woman is wearing trainers at a <laughs> wedding. very Victorian about it. Yeah, it's really interesting when these moments point out the double standard mm. that we have, because we like to think, oh, we move in the world however we want to. Mm. And then suddenly we see that we don't. Yeah, I think the joy of all women when they find they've got a dress and they find out it's got pockets. I mean, that pure relation suggests... 
I mean, it should, we shouldn't be that excited by pockets, but we are because it is still unusual, isn't it? No, it's kind of tragic. On the subject of the political power of clothing, I wanted to mention Mint Velvet's charity T-shirt collaboration with the charity Women for Women International, where all profits from the T-shirt go to support their incredible work with women survivors of war. Here's Mint Velvet CEO Liz Houghton talking about it on our recent International Women's Day episode. We realise in Mint Velvet that our customers and our staff um, are lucky enough to live in a democracy where women do actually have a say. And actually there's so many women in the world that are completely overlooked and, and are so oppressed. So we thought it'd be really good to do two things, to raise money for the charity, but also to give publicity to this wonderful charity. So what they particularly concentrate on women that have been affected by war. Really, what we loved, it was almost like empowerment. So it's giving them the tools to earn money or to get any kind of education so that they can be more self-sufficient. We're delighted to say the T-shirt is back in stock. So if you weren't quick enough first time round, go to mintvelvet.co.uk and get yours. A bit difficult to link from something as serious as that, so I'm not even going to try. Instead, I'm going to ask Ellie um, about a much more serious aspect of being a woman. Ellie, when are you going to have children? (laughs) Ah! Um, Viv, I don't know. Tell us uh, the context to me asking you about that that and the anti-motherhood challenge. Sure. Um, Yeah, well, I'm just, as a woman in her 30s, I hear that question uh, from friends and family, my sister particularly particularly who has a seven-year-old little boy, Henry, and she will always say things, like just smug things like, oh, by the time you have a baby, Henry will be at university. And I always feel like (laughs) saying, I've read Henry's homework. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a lot of pressure, and from my mother and from uh, my uh, partner's mother as well. Um, So there's a lot of pressure. And yes, I just think um, uh, the motherhood challenge thing was a few years ago, it was on Facebook, women were putting up five photos that made them proud to be a mother. So lots of, you know, little Timmy on a bench or whatever. It wasn't like, I wasn't trying to have a go at women for doing that, but it felt like a conversation that I was just sort of blocked out of. So I thought, ah, I'll just do my own. I did the non-motherhood challenge. So I did five photos that made me proud not to be a mother. So there were four of me asleep and uh, the fifth one was me asleep holding a bottle of wine. And it just it went it just went viral. Do you think it's something that we ought to find a way to talk about more? Perhaps this gap between, you know, women who haven't had children and women who have. Oh, I don't know. It is a tricky one. I think because you don't know the context. Essentially, it should be le- left to the couple or the woman to bring up that conversation. You should never ask a woman. I think just because you don't know what minefields you're going to get yourself into. Um, Lucy, you do have a child, your seven-year-old, and children bring many social challenges for us. Uh, How do you cope, uh, in particular, with children's birthday parties... My least favourite thing. And oh, I'm so glad to hear you say it because you're a nice person and, and I'm, I'm doubtless a wonderful mother. And, but <laughs> doubtless, um, <laughs> organising his party every year is this the worst time of my of my year. It's just oh, Lucy. <laughs> it's just, but it's so it's so much work, and other people's children now. You know, in my mum's day, at least when you had a group of children around, you could slap them if they were getting out. You know, you could you could apply your own rules and no one would would bat an eyelid. <laughs> And now you've got to be so careful about everyone's minute rules and, oh, my mummy's... And they're taught back and they're so confident. and Oh, it's too much. It's like having a bunch of 40-year-olds around half the time. Yeah, other people's children should indeed be banned, basically. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think it's time to hear a bit more from our expert in etiquette and modern manners. It's Joe Bryant. 
the art of conversation is always a tricky one. I do teach it as well. And I think it's something that needs to begin with small talk, which, you know, it's called small for a reason. People shouldn't be shy about saying, you know, what's the weather like or what a beautiful room we're in. You know, you have to work with what you've got. And then when it goes on to more serious conversation, I think there are areas you should avoid in certain companies that you don't know very well, politics, sex, religion on the whole, controversial issues. It doesn't have to be bland conversation. You can have other opinions and have exciting conversation, but controversy actually can actually bring out the worst in people and it can spoil an occasion. If people are feeling nervous amongst conversation, I, I always say to them, remember... You know, listening is a form of talking. So actually, we don't listen hard enough. We don't really hear what people say. So if you want to be a good conversationalist or try and overcome a bit of shyness, even that small talk has lots of hidden clues of something you can pick up on. You know, somebody says, oh, I was trying to go on holiday. My taxi was late. I nearly missed my plane, but we had a lovely week in America. You've got lots of you can say, oh, why was your taxi late? Oh, who were you flying with? Was the flight okay? Where were you staying in America? Oh, gosh, my sister went on holiday there. You, you have lots you can suddenly work with. So listen hard and try and pick up those clues. Because actually, don't forget, people love talking about themselves. At the end of the evening, getting people to leave, I mean, there are various tactics. Um, I remember my parents had quite a well-to-do friend when we were growing up but he had the worst manners in that way that certain people can and at the end of an evening apparently he would turn all the lights out and open the door and literally just say right you're going now now that's not the approach I would ever recommend but there are ways you can send silent signals you can slowly close the bar and sort of stop opening more bottles you can start making noises about how busy your day is tomorrow or what an early start you might have if they're very good friends and it starts getting stupidly late I think you can say look I've really got an early start tomorrow you know it's time to go now Saying thank you is so important. You know, the basic rule is you can say thank you in the same way in which you received an invitation. So if you receive an invitation by post, it's most appropriate to reply with a handwritten thank you letter. A quick text for Friday night supper is something very different as well. You can text back. However, don't forget, if you want to say thank you very, very properly, a handwritten note or any post that isn't junk mail or a bill arriving on our doorstep nowadays is actually quite treasured. It's a novelty. I mean, I love getting a handwritten letter now. We don't really get them. So that thank you will have a massive impact. So it can be quite a useful tool as well. Thanks again to Joe Bryant. And remember, there are more pearls of wisdom from Joe on the website. Just visit mintvelvet.co.uk and click on occasion. Now, it's nearly time for us to go, but we do just have time to ask for your answers to the question I posed at the beginning. What is your social nightmare, real or imaginary? I think it, uh, it would involve a train journey. If you bump into someone you vaguely know on a train journey, my heart sinks uh, what I want to say is, oh, it's nice to see you. I'm going to go and sit in a different carriage so I don't have to talk to you. <laughs> but you can say that. You can. You can say, oh, it's so nice to see you. It's such a shame it's right now because I'm writing something and I'm yeah, on deadline. I mean, that's what I try and do. So I suppose, yeah, there's that get out. I just get so anxious. One-on-ones I find really stressful. Dead inside, um, Viv, dead inside. <laughs> it never shows. <laughs> it never shows. Lucy, how about you? What is your social nightmare apart from life? Several times... I've been in gatherings where you're with the type of man, usually older than always, where they just don't talk to you and they just erase you either because you're not pretty enough or you're not tall enough or you're just not male enough. <laughs> and, and, of course, it brings out the worst. I mean, I start wanting to jump up and down and go, oh, I'm here, I'm here, and punch them and things. I, you know, I don't, I don't get very, you know, cool and dry and uh, scintillating. I just get mad and, and childish. 
I think I've had my worst social nightmare this morning. I'm wearing a very distinctive skirt. And this woman came up to me on a train platform and said, oh, excuse me, do you work near South Molson Street? And I just said really rudely, no, I don't. (laughs) And all she wanted to say was, I work near South South Molson Street and I saw you walking past the other week in this skirt. And I just felt, I almost got really aggressive and said, well, I'm allowed to wear my skirt more than once. (laughs) And I just thought, if you should have just stayed at home this morning, she's just trying to be nice. So misreading the signs is definitely my social nightmare. Uh, Very good mother, but strangely savage when crossed. (laughs) Yes, strangely savage. That's a good description. That's all for now. We'll be back next month. But in the meantime, do tweet at Mint Velvet or come to the Mint Velvet Facebook page and tell us your thoughts on the podcast. And of course, don't forget to email relaxedglamour at mintvelvet.co.uk with the title of your favourite childhood book or tweet us at mintvelvet to be in with a chance of winning Lucy Mangan's enchanting book Bookworm, a memoir of childhood reading. Huge thanks to our guests Lucy Mangan, Ellie Taylor and Joe Bryant. We Are Women is a Whistledown production for Mint Velvet. The producer is Kate Taylor. I'm Viv Gruskop. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>